This morning, God's Word comes to us from Matthew chapter 1. You may turn there in your Bibles that is also printed in our worship folder this morning. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to begin our reading at verse 18 and then read through verse 25 of this chapter. Matthew 1, beginning at verse 18. What we hear now is God's Word. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to also turn in your worship folder. We have there Lord's Day 11 of the Heidelberg Catechism. And this morning I will read for you questions 29 and 30. Question 29 why is the Son of God called Jesus, meaning Savior? The answer, because he saves us from our sins. Salvation cannot be found in anyone else. It is futile to look for any salvation elsewhere. Question 30. Do those who look for their salvation and security in saints, in themselves, or elsewhere, really believe? in the only Savior, Jesus. No, although they boast of being his, by their deeds they deny the only Savior and Deliverer, Jesus. Either Jesus is not a perfect Savior, or those who in true faith accept this Savior have in him all they need for their salvation. This morning we are moving on in our study of the Word of God as summarized for us in the Heidelberg Catechism. We are in that section dealing with the Apostles' Creed. For the last few weeks we've been talking about the first part of that creed, God our Father, and the comfort we receive knowing we have an almighty Father in heaven who cares for us. This morning we move to the second section of the Apostles' Creed, 
that deals with God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. We will, for the next weeks together, be looking at Jesus, both his person and his work. We begin today by looking at his name. And this question in the Catechism, question 29, uh, is one of my favorites. They're all good, but this is one of my favorites. 29. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, meaning Savior? Because he saves us from our sins. Simple, yet incredibly profound. It is that glorious truth that gives us hope. Why is he called Jesus, meaning Savior? Because that's what he is. He is the one who saves us from our sins. We know that in Scripture... Uh, names are often significant. We think back in the Old Testament when uh, Abram was given the name Abraham, father of many peoples. That was a significant name. We think of the New Testament. Simon, uh, after confessing Jesus, is called Peter, rock. On this rock I will build my church. Jesus' name was significant as well. Some of us, when we name our children, name them after uh, relatives, after Fathers or mothers or favorite aunts or uncles. Uh, naming a child, we talked about before, is a difficult thing. It has to be a name that, that, that fits them when they're in the cradle. You can speak to them in the cradle with their name. It has to be a name that, that fits them when you see them outside in the backyard doing something wrong. You've got to yell at them. The name has to fit them. It has to be a name that fits them when they grow up and take their place in society perhaps as a doctor, or a lawyer, or a senator, or even a minister. The name has to fit in all those ways. When Jesus was named, his parents had no difficulty naming him. For God himself would name Jesus. Look at verse 20. Joseph, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. God sent an angel to tell Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. And it's that Simple beauty, Jesus meaning Savior, that we talk about this morning. And we see how his name perfectly fits uh, who he is, how his name perfectly fits what he came to do. For Jesus is the true Savior. We looked at this text together uh, a couple months ago during our Advent series uh, and talked about his name and how, how his name Jesus was the equivalent of the Old Testament name Joshua, a name which literally means God saves. You remember Joshua, children. Joshua was the one who brought God's people into the promised land. Moses led them out of captivity, but Joshua led them into the land flowing with milk and honey. He was a savior sent by God for his people. 
So Jesus is appropriately named Jesus. Joshua meaning Savior, meaning God saves. That's exactly what the angel says to Joseph. Again, verse 21. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. A name that perfectly fit. A name that perfectly described what he had come to do. He came to be the Savior for his people. There were some at Jesus' time who wanted to change that mission of his as Savior. Oh, it's true, Jesus did other things. He would feed the hungry. He would heal the sick. He would even raise the dead. But his mission was to be the savior of his people. And there were those in Jesus' time who wanted to make him less than that. They would want him simply to be a good teacher for them. They would come to him, rabbi, and ask for his advice. Rabbi, teacher, teach us. They would accept him as teacher, but not as savior. There were some who would come to him and want to be a judge. Judge between me and my brother in this issue. They would accept his wisdom. Would not accept him as Savior. He came to be Jesus. God saves. To save his people from their sins. There are still those today who want to make Jesus less than he was. There are still those today who will say, you know, Jesus was an interesting man. Perhaps even refer to him as a prophet. He had a wonderful uh, ethical philosophy. And we can glean some truth from it. They see him only as a morality teacher. But fail to recognize him as Jesus, who God saves. We must be so careful we do not make Jesus less than what he is. Less than God saves his people. We may not make Jesus less than he is. We may not make his mission less than it was. He came to save. He came to accomplish salvation. Jesus didn't come simply to help us give up our bad habits. He didn't come to help us with our personality disorders. He didn't come to help us be, re be re rescued from dysfunctional relationships. He came to save us from our sins. We don't talk about sin in the public square much anymore. But that, that, that's, that's the proper understanding of our condition. We can use all these other words and phrases, but fundamentally, when we have these difficulties, it is a sin problem. It's good to understand that because Jesus came to save us from our sins. That was his mission. That's exactly what he came to do. We need to acknowledge him as the true Savior, the one sent by God to save his people. He is the true Savior, and he is the only Savior. Look once again at our confession. Why is he called Jesus, meaning Savior? Because he saves us from our sins. 
Salvation cannot be found in anyone else. It is futile to look for any salvation elsewhere. Salvation cannot be found in anyone else. The scriptures elsewhere will say there is no other name given under heaven by which we may be saved. Contrary to popular opinion, there are not many ways to God. There is one way to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It is not enough that you pick a, a God of your choosing, and as long as you're devoted to that God, whatever He might be, that somehow there is salvation at the end of the, at the, end of the road. There is one way. There is one name. He is the only Savior. We cannot put our trust in Muhammad. We cannot put our trust in not put our trust in, in Buddha, Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ alone. Our text says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus was God with us. We talked about that a few weeks ago when we looked at Lord's Day 6. His qualifications to be the Savior of His people. He had to be like us in every way. He had to be truly man because God as a just God will only punish mankind for the sins of mankind. But He also had to be true God. Because only God can withstand the wrath of a holy God. And so the prophet says, you shall give him the name Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came not only as a man. He came as the God-man. And, and he is the only one who has ever had that qualification. Being able to save us from our sins. No other man, no other woman throughout all of history was divine. Only Jesus Christ. There is no other name given under heaven by which we can be saved. He is the only one. Our confession says, so don't look for salvation anywhere else. We look only to Him. Only Jesus Christ. We, our confession once again, article number 30, do those who look for their salvation and security in saints, in themselves, or elsewhere, really believe in the only Savior Jesus? The confession, of course, responding to the practice of the Roman Catholic Church of the time to look for their security in saints or elsewhere, to offer prayers in the name of saints, or prayers in the name of Jesus' mother, that we can't approach Jesus, but but certainly we can approach his mother and then she'll bring our prayers to him. No, we don't look anywhere else. Kids, when we pray, you notice at the end of our prayers, we pray in Jesus' name. That's not just a, a clue the prayer is coming to a close. We do that because only in Jesus can we approach God the Father. I don't offer my prayers in Reverend Niemeyer's name. I don't offer it in the elder's name. I 
offer my prayers in Jesus' name. Hear me for his sake. He alone is our access to the Father. Only in his name. Don't look for your salvation anywhere else. In yourself. In the things that I can do. Don't look for your salvation in my family relationship. I think it's easy for us as we're growing up to think, well, you know, my parents are believers. My parents love the Lord, and that's probably good enough. If my parents love the Lord, there's really not a whole lot I have to do. God calls all of us, all of us, to embrace Jesus Christ by faith. Kids, there will come a time when, when you recognize that the work of Jesus Christ was not just for mom and dad. It was for you as well. And you are called then to respond to that as the Holy Spirit begins to grip your heart to recognize your own sin, recognize you need a Savior. Don't, don't turn it aside and say, well, mom and dad are saved. That's good enough for me. God calls us, all of us, to embrace the finished work of Jesus Christ. Don't put our faith anywhere else in what I can do. Don't even put our faith in being a member of the right church. Church membership is important. It's valuable. You've heard me say that before. But it is not membership in the church that secures our place in heaven. Every church I have served the elders face the same type of difficulties. Someone uh, perhaps moves away um, and uh, doesn't do anything regarding their church membership. And, and the elders carefully, lovingly, prayerfully uh, write them, call them, and, and, and if they refuse to respond, at some point, uh, the elders make the decision to move forward with church discipline. And to say, look, you're not here. You're not uh, responding to us. Uh, we need to place you under discipline. And it's amazing how many times at that point people write back and say, oh, no, I need to keep my membership in your church. Church membership without active involvement means nothing. It means nothing at all. Not having our name on the roll of the right church will be sufficient to get us to heaven. No, we don't place our trust in anything. Even our church membership, as important as it is, outside of the work of Jesus Christ. Only in Him do we find our salvation. Jesus Christ is the only Savior and he is the complete Savior. And by that I mean two things. One, Jesus saves us completely. And two, Jesus completely saves. Jesus saves us completely. And Jesus completely saves. He saves us completely. He takes away absolutely all of our sins. Everyone. When I consider that, that is mind-boggling to me. That is unfathomable 
that every harsh word I have spoken, that every evil thought in my mind, that every unkind deed I have done, every single sin has been taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus saves completely from every sin we have ever done. I am overwhelmed by that when I consider the depth of my own sin. We need to believe that truth, that Jesus saves completely. It's so easy for us to, perhaps in our younger years, we have done things, we have said things, we have committed sins that are so hard for us to forgive ourselves for. Oh, we've confessed them to God, and we know He's covered them with the blood of Christ. But I still, I still hold my sin against me. We must not try to be more righteous than God. We've been washed with the blood of Christ. Every sin removed. Who am I to hold my own sin against me? No, God has washed me. He has cleansed me. If you are still struggling with, with sins from the past, with things you have done, if those have been confessed to God, you have been forgiven if you plead the blood of Jesus Christ. You do not need to hold that against you. We don't live in shame the rest of our lives. God himself has forgiven our sins. We may take ourselves off the hook. We don't want to diminish the work of Christ. For me to hold my sin against me is to diminish what he has accomplished. To diminish what he has done. To say, Lord, you washed me, but I'm still going to hold this against myself. No, Jesus saves completely all our sins, all gone, and washed his blood. And Jesus completely saves. Jesus does it all. He completely Saves. There is nothing left for us to do. We don't contribute anything to our salvation. He has taken our sins upon himself. He has gone to the cross. He's been crucified, his blood shed, and laid in the ground, and our sins with him. There's nothing for us to do. He's done it all. We simply believe in his finished work. There's no cooperation between us and Christ. He does everything necessary to secure our salvation, to wash away all of our sins. He takes all the penalty. We need not fear the wrath of God. For that wrath was poured out on Him on the cross. He gives us His righteousness. Not my feeble works do I offer to God, but he sees in me the righteousness of Christ as if I had never sinned or been a sinner. Jesus completely saves. Again, from our confession, to those who look for their salvation and security in saints, in themselves, or elsewhere, really believe in the only Savior Jesus? No. Although they boast of being his, by their deeds they deny the only Savior and Deliverer Jesus. Either Jesus is not a perfect Savior, 
For those who in true faith accept this Savior have in Him all they need for their salvation. We have in Jesus Christ all that we need for salvation. He is Jesus, meaning Savior. He came to save, He came to save His people from their sins. To understand Jesus' work properly it is not a universalistic work of salvation that everyone ends up going to heaven. He came to save not all people. He came to save his people from their sins. Have you embraced that Jesus Christ and by faith become one of his people? Those for whom Jesus Christ has died. When, when Jesus was speaking with his disciples, he asked them one time, who do men say I am? And they gave a variety of responses. Some say this, some say that. That question is the most important question we could ask ourselves. Who is Jesus Christ? How do you respond? Is he an interesting ethical philosopher? Is he a wonderful teacher? Or is he Jesus, Savior for my sins? Today is the day of salvation. Embrace this Jesus Christ. Embrace this perfect Savior, this God-man, this only Savior. And know the assurance of a Jesus who saves completely and a Jesus who completely saves. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for the word of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for sending him as a savior from sin. And that even in his name already before he was born, there was that hope of the gospel given. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Lord God, if we have not embraced that savior, today by the power of your Holy Spirit, work in our hearts. To see that there is no hope in ourselves. We do not offer anything for our salvation. It is only found in Jesus Christ. Lord God, for those of us who know this glorious truth, may we live in the joy and the freedom of that truth. We are still being weighed down by sins of the past. Lord God, help us to remember the finished work of Jesus Christ. How he has paid for all of our sins and we need not hold that against us. Restore to us, O oh God, the joy of our salvation and grant us a willing spirit to sustain us. Hear our prayer, O oh God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn once again to our worship folder to number 384. Number 384. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. Weak is the effort of my heart, and cold my warmest thought. But when I see thee as thou art, I'll praise thee as I ought. We're going to sing all five verses, 384, and let's stand together. Thank you. 